Chapter Sixteen: A Happy Successful Partnership. To gain a proper understanding of the marriage relation is the work of a lifetime. Those who marry enter a school from which they are never in this life to be graduated. However carefully and wisely marriage may have been entered into, few couples are completely united when the marriage ceremony is performed. The real union of the two in wedlock is the work of the after years. As life, with its burden of perplexity and care, meets the newly wedded pair, the romance with which imagination so often invests marriage. Disappears. Husband and wife learn each other's character, as it was impossible to learn it in their previous association. This is a most critical period in their experience. The happiness and usefulness of their whole future life depend upon their taking a right course now. Often they discern in each other unsuspected weaknesses and defects. But the hearts that love has united will discern excellencies also heretofore unknown. Let all seek to discover the excellencies rather than the defects. Often it is our own attitude, the atmosphere that surrounds ourselves, which determines what will be revealed to us in another. Affection may be as clear as crystal, and beauteous in its purity, yet it may be shallow because it has not been tested and tried. Make Christ first, and last, and best in everything. Constantly behold Him, and your love for Him will daily become. Deeper and stronger, as it is submitted to the test of trial, and as your love for Him increases, your love for each other will grow deeper and stronger. Though difficulties, perplexities, and discouragements may arise, let neither husband nor wife harbor the thought that their union is a mistake. Or a disappointment. Determine to be all that it is possible to be to each other. Continue the early attentions. In every way, encourage each other in fighting the battles of life. Study to advance the happiness of each other. Let there be mutual love, mutual forbearance. Then marriage, instead of being the end of love, will be, as it were, the very beginning of love, the warmth of true friendship, the love that binds heart to heart, is a foretaste of the joys of heaven. All should cultivate patience by practicing patience. By being kind and forbearing, true love may be kept warm in the heart, and qualities will be developed that heaven will approve. 
Satan is ever ready to take advantage when any matter of variance arises. And by moving upon the objectionable, hereditary traits of character in husband or wife, he will try to cause the alienation of those who have united their interests in a solemn covenant before God. In the marriage vows, they have promised to be as one, the wife covenanting to love and obey her husband, the husband promising to love and cherish his wife. If the law of God is obeyed, the demon of strife will be kept out of the family, and no separation of interest will take place no alienation of affection will be permitted. Counsel to a strong-willed couple. Neither husband nor wife is to make a plea for rulership. The Lord has laid down the principle that is to guide in this matter. The husband is to cherish his wife as Christ cherishes the church. And the wife is to respect and love her husband. Both are to cultivate the spirit of kindness, being determined never to grieve or injure the other. Do not try to compel each other to do as you wish. You cannot do this and retain each other's love. Manifestations of self-will Destroy the peace and happiness of the home. Let not your married life be one of contention. If you do, you will both be unhappy. Be kind in speech and gentle in action, giving up your own wishes. Watch well your words, for they have a powerful influence for good or for ill. Allow no sharpness to come into your voices. Bring into your married life the fragrance of Christ-likeness. Express love in words and deeds. There are many who regard the expression of love as a weakness, and they maintain a reserve that repels others. This spirit checks the current of sympathy. As the social and generous impulses are repressed, they wither, and the heart becomes desolate and cold. We should beware of this error. Love cannot long exist without expression. Let not the heart of one connected with you starve for the want of kindness and sympathy. Let each give love rather than exact it. Cultivate that which is noblest in yourselves and be quick to recognize the good qualities in each other. The consciousness of being appreciated is a wonderful stimulus and satisfaction. Sympathy and respect encourage the striving after excellence and love itself increases as it stimulates to nobler aims. The reason there are so many hard-hearted men and women in our world is that true affection 
has been regarded as weakness and has been discouraged and repressed. The better part of the nature of persons of this class was perverted and dwarfed in childhood. And unless rays of divine light can melt away their coldness and hard-hearted selfishness, the happiness of such is buried forever. If we would have tender hearts, such as Jesus had when he was upon the earth, and sanctified sympathy, such as the angels have for sinful mortals, we must cultivate the sympathies of childhood, which are simplicity itself. Then we shall be refined, elevated, and directed by heavenly principles. Too many cares and burdens are brought into our families, and too little of natural simplicity and peace and happiness is cherished. There should be less care for what the outside world will say, and more thoughtful attention to the members of the family circle. There should be less display and affectation of worldly politeness, and much more tenderness and love cheerfulness, and Christian courtesy among the members of the household. Many need to learn how to make home attractive, a place of enjoyment. Thankful hearts and kind looks are more valuable than wealth and luxury, and contentment with simple things will make home happy if love be there. God tests and proves us by the common occurrences of life. It is the little things which reveal the chapters of the heart. It is the little attentions, the numerous small incidents and simple courtesies of life that make up the sum of life's happiness. And it is the neglect of kindly, encouraging, affectionate words and the little courtesies of life which helps compose the sum of life's wretchedness. It will be found at last that the denial of self for the good and happiness of those around us constitutes a large share of the life record in heaven. And the fact will also be revealed that the care of self, irrespective of the good and happiness of others, is not beneath the notice of our Heavenly Father. A husband who failed to express affection. A house with love in it, where love is expressed in words and looks and deeds, is a place where angels love to manifest their presence and hallow the scene by rays of light from glory. There the humble household duties have a charm in them, None of life's duties will be unpleasant to your wife under such circumstances. She will perform them with cheerfulness of spirit and will be like a sunbeam to all around her. And she will be making melody in her heart to the Lord. At present, she feels that she has not your heart's affection. You have given her occasion to feel thus. You perform the necessary duties devolving upon you as head of the family, but there is a lack. 
there is a serious lack of love's precious influence, which leads to kindly attentions. Love should be seen in the looks and manners and heard in the tones of the voice. A Disappointing Self-Centered Wife The moral character of those united in marriage is either elevated or degraded by their association, and the work of deterioration accomplished by a low, deceptive, selfish, uncontrollable nature is begun soon after the marriage ceremony. If the young man makes a wise choice, he may have one to stand by his side who will bear to the utmost of her ability her share of the burdens of life, who will ennoble and refine him and make him happy in her love. But if the wife is fitful in character, self-admiring, exacting, accusing, challenging her husband with motives and feelings that originate only in her own perverted temperament, if she has not discernment and nice discrimination to recognize his love and appreciate it, but talks of neglect and lack of love because he does not gratify every whim, she will almost inevitably bring about the very state of things she seems to deplore. She will make all these accusations realities. Characteristics of a companionable wife and mother. Instead of sinking into a mere household drudge, let the wife and mother take time to read, to keep herself well informed, to be a companion to her husband, and to keep in touch with the developing minds of her children. Let her use wisely the opportunities now hers to influence her dear ones for the higher life. Let her take time to make the dear Savior a daily companion and familiar friend. Let her take time for the study of His Word. Take time to go with the children into the fields and learn of God through the beauty of His works. Let her keep cheerful and buoyant. Instead of spending every moment in endless sewing, make the evening a pleasant social season, a family reunion after the day's duties. Many a man would thus be led to choose the society of his home before that of the clubhouse or the saloon. Many a boy would be kept from the street or the corner grocery. Many a girl would be saved from the frivolous, misleading associations. The influence of the home would be to parents and children what God designed it should be, a lifelong blessing. Married life is not all romance. It has its real difficulties and its homely details. The wife must not consider herself a doll to be tended, but a woman, one to put her shoulder under real, not imaginary, burdens, and live an understanding, thoughtful life, considering that there are other things to be thought of than herself. Real life has its shadows, 
and its sorrows. To every soul troubles must come. Satan is constantly working to unsettle the faith and destroy the courage and hope of everyone. Counsel to an unhappy couple. Your married life has been very much like a desert, but very few green spots to look back upon with grateful remembrance. It need not have been thus. Love can no more exist without revealing itself in outward acts than fire can be kept alive without fuel. You, Brother C., have felt that it was beneath your dignity to manifest tenderness by kindly acts and to watch for an opportunity to evince affection for your wife by words of tenderness and kind regard. You are changeable in your feelings and very much affected by surrounding circumstances. Leave your business cares and perplexities and annoyances when you leave your business. Come to your family with a cheerful countenance, with sympathy, tenderness, and love. This will be better than expending money for medicines or physicians for your wife. It will be health to your body and strength to your soul. Your lives have been very wretched. You have both acted a part in making them so. God is not pleased with your misery. You have brought it upon yourselves by want of self-control. You let feelings bear sway. You think it beneath your dignity, Brother C., to manifest love, to speak kindly and affectionately. All these tender words you think savor of softness and weakness and are unnecessary. But in their place come fretful words, words of discord, strife, and censure. You have not the elements of a contented spirit. You dwell upon your troubles, imaginary want and poverty far ahead stare you in the face. You feel afflicted, distressed, agonized. Your brain seems on fire, your spirits depressed. You do not cherish love to God and gratitude of heart for all the blessings which your kind Heavenly Father has bestowed upon you. You see only the discomforts of life. A worldly insanity shuts you in like heavy clouds of thick darkness. Satan exalts over you because you will have misery when peace and happiness are at your command. Mutual love and forbearance rewarded. Without mutual forbearance and love, no earthly power can hold you and your husband in the bonds of Christian unity. Your companionship in the marriage relation should be close and tender, holy and elevated, breathing a spiritual power into your lives, that you may be everything to each other that God's Word requires. When you reach the condition that the Lord desires you to reach, you will find heaven below and God in your life. Remember, my dear brother and sister, that God is love, and that by His grace you can succeed in making each other happy, as in your marriage pledge 
you promised to do. Men and women can reach God's ideal for them if they will take Christ as their helper. What human wisdom cannot do, His grace will accomplish for those who give themselves to Him in loving trust. His providence can unite hearts in bonds that are of heavenly origin. Love will not be a mere exchange of soft and flattering words. The loom of heaven weaves with warp and woof finer, yet more firm than can be woven by the looms of earth. The result is not a tissue fabric, but a texture that will bear wear and test and trial. Heart will be bound to heart in the golden bonds of a love that is enduring.